بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما الحمد للہ شنائب is the 10th of December in the year 2023. Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 38th night that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah And I spent quite a few sessions taking a glimpse into various aspects of his blessed worship. So, to focus upon another part of the incredible worship of this noble man, and that is his generosity. So, in a hadith in Sayyid Muslim, Nasai Ahmed Al-Bidayah, volume 4, page 307, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 35, of the New English Translation, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Rabah, radiyallahu, he relates, Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu, and myself, were part of many delegations that came to Muawiyah during Ramadan. We used to prepare food for each other and Abu Hurairah very often invited us to his camp for meals. So, delegations are going to Muawiyah and this is during Ramadan. So, there must have been a reason for this. I'm not sure what the reason was, but he was uh, the Amir al-Mu'minin at the time. So Abu Huraira was also in one of the delegations. And the narrator said, we would prepare food for each other when we traveled. And Abu Huraira very often invited us to his camp for meals. So think about that. On a journey, he was encouraging others to come and eat with him. Then the Sahaba said, I just once told myself, I should also invite everyone to my camp for meals. I therefore had meals prepared. And when I met Abu Hurairah for the Isha Salah, I said to him, O oh Abu Hurairah, meals will be served at my place tonight. To which he said, You have beat me to it. To which I replied, I certainly have. And then the report continues as a long report. And Abu Huraira goes on to praise the Ansar. So in this Sayyid Hadith in Sayyid Muslim, notice that it's easier to be generous when you're comfortable at home. But when you're on a journey, it's more difficult. And Abu Huraira would encourage others and feed them on journeys. And when on one occasion, Abdullah ibn Rabah said, Today I am serving, come to my place. He goes, you've beat me. Meaning, this is what the competition is about in the world. I for the Akhirah, not for this world. Indeed, he was outstanding in this area. For Abu Nadra had said, Rahmatullah an old man from the Banu Tafawa tribe, he said, Tathawaytu Aba Hurayrata bil madinati falam arad rajulan min ashab al-Nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ashadda tashmiran wala akwama I stayed as a guest in the dwelling of Abu Huraira and I never saw any of the companions of the Prophet more eager to please or serve his guest than him. This is in Nasai, number 5121, 
Abu Dawood number 2174 in the chapter on marriage, Tirmidhi number 2787, Hassan, Ayat al volume 5, page 126 of the New English Translation. So in this authentic report recorded in the Sunnah, a guest, and obviously he must have seen many of the companions, he was a Tabi'in, he said, I was a guest of Abu Huraira in his dwelling, and look what he said. I never saw any of the companions of the Prophet more eager in two, in two areas, more eager to please or serve his guests than him. So he goes, he loved to please his guests and he also loved to serve them. But the incredible praise is what he said. He said, I can't think of any other Sahaba who had this quality to his degree. So why was he so... Why was he so, you know, generous, especially to guests? And like I mentioned again and again, just to reinforce, the Prophet he said, He who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day, he should honor his guest. And this is in Bukhari and Muslim and other things are mentioned in the report, but that's the relevant part. Meaning that the more you honor your guest, the more you actually are showing your belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day. So Abu Huraira, what level was he at? He goes, I've never seen the Tabi'in said, I've never saw any of the companions more eager to please or serve his guest than him. Notice also he had many guests. He was very generous and people loved to go to his dwelling. Consider also the following report. In Al-Bidayah 8-940 Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat 2-63 On one occasion Marwan ibn al-Hakam, he sent 100 dinars to Sayyidina Abu Huraira as a gift, and he in turn promptly spent it all in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next day Marwan called him and said, the dinars I sent you yesterday, I sent them to you by mistake. It was actually meant for someone else, please return the sum to me. Abu Huraira said, The dinars that you sent, I have already distributed amongst the needy. Those cut off the amount from my monthly allowance. Mm-hmm. However, Marwan ibn al-Hakam was only testing Abu Huraira. <laughs> so let's look at this. So like I said, they was, had a very interesting relationship. Marwan ibn al-Hakam was the governor of Medina. And he gave a hundred gold coins and it was a gift. So obviously the Prophet said, accept the gift. So he accepted it. What was what did he do with the hundred gold coins? Immediately he spent it all feasibilillah. Marwan had well, this was a test. He thought, what's he gonna do with it? The next day, Marwan goes, Oh, I, I made a mistake. Uh, it was actually for somebody else giving me bike. Abu Huraira goes, I've already distributed it. But he goes, from my allowance, monthly, take it from there. But one was only testing. Now think about that. Did he waste time with the money? This is the problem. People, some people, they just I don't know what they're doing with the money. Piling up, and then zakat comes. And even then they grumbly. They start working out to the last penny. Notice immediately he didn't waste time. He got the money, gave it straight away. Why? Because it's for yourself. You give to others, you're giving it to yourself. You know, you know, nobody's benefiting. It's you yourself. So he gave it. And notice he didn't even make an excuse to Marwan. He could have said to Marwan, Oh, look, I'm sure you'll overlook this. I've given it to the poor. And you're the governor of Medina. That's really your job. 
So really, I did your job. You know, we come out with an excuse like that. Did he say that? No. He just said, my monthly allowance, take care of the meaning. I still want the reward. I don't want any loss in this. And Marwan, because I'm only testing. Now think about it. He was testing him with his knowledge, which I mentioned a few weeks prior. You know, the hadith, whether he could remember the hadith, he's testing him with money. So what do you notice about Marwan? He held Abu Huraira on a very high pedestal and he wanted to, every now and again, just to see whether he's still at that level. And all the time, passing with flying colors. Another report. In Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat 2.60, Abu Rafi radiyallahu said, when Abu Huraira radiyallahu would serve as the governor of al Madina, I would invite him for a meal at night. And during this time, he would engage with me in a light-hearted conversation. Once when I invited him for a meal, Abu Huraira laughed and he said, leave one piece of meat for your Amir as well. Whereas there was only bread with olive oil and not even a sight of meat. <laughs> so this was his humor. So Abu Rafi, he goes, he invited Abu Huraira and it was just the blessed two companions and they were just bantering, having a you know, pleasant chat. And then all of a sudden, Abu Huraira, you know, obviously, what did he see? What was the food? The food that he saw was bread and olive oil. <laughs> so, look at the humor. He goes, leave one piece of meat for your Amir. <laughs> and obviously, there was nothing there. So the, you know, Abu Rafi goes, oh, mashallah. <laughs> right, so Lord, you know, he, he shows his humility as well. He's, you know, he, imagine, you invite somebody, he goes, brother, look, please come, I've invited you for the meal. So he's expecting, you know, mashallah, quality food. And what do you give him? You give him bread with olive oil. Now be honest, which person would not be slightly, you know, displeased with that? In other words, you invite me as a guest. You give me bread and soup. Not even soup, olive oil. But Abu Huraira, look how you put him at ease. You know, this is the beauty of Abu Huraira, his humor. He, could, he didn't, you know, he just laughed. He went, don't forget to leave me a piece of meat. And then Abu Rafi goes, oh, subhanAllah, yes, yes, I will. Farqad As-Sanjah, he said in Al-Bidayah 8-96, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu was once performing tawaf of the Kaaba. And whilst performing tawaf, he said, My weakness is indeed because of my stomach. How? For when I fill it, it makes me lazy. And when I leave it empty, it makes me weak. <laughs> so think about it. Is he doing tawaf? You're allowed to talk during tawaf. So who's he talking to? So obviously he's just getting points across to the people. He goes, be careful with your stomach. And he goes, it's my weakness. So the people thought, how is it? It's his weakness. He's a companion. He goes, when I fill it up, it makes me lazy. And everybody experiences that. You have too much to eat next minute. You know, you feel like I'm in a kip, even though you've had a cracking sleep. And when you leave it empty, what happens? You can't go to sleep. Right? You know, it's like you know, you start your stomach starts grumbling and you feel weak. He goes, That's my weakness because it's my stomach. But what he was getting across was, he goes, Look, your needs are few. He goes, Don't overeat and just eat so that you can live your life. Because don't go overboard. Another report. In Tirmidhi, number 2305. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Hassan in Sahih Sunan al-Tirmidhi number 2304 and also his As-Sahiha number 930. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu he said Rasulullah once said to me sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Man ya'akhudhu anni ha'ulai 
kalimati fayamalu bihinna aw yu'allimu man ya'malu bihin who will take these words from me to apply them or teach them to the one who will apply them that's all for the report the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam teaching you the rights of knowledge what did he say sallallahu alaihi wasallam who will take these kalimat these words apply them get it into your own life or teach them to the one who will apply them so what are the two conditions knowledge act upon it share it abu huraira said i shall ya rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam those he took my hand sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he enumerated five so what did he do he held abu huraira's hand and with the other hand he spread his five fingers sallallahu alaihi wasallam he then said ittaqil muharima takun abadan nas avoid the haram and you will be the best worshiper amongst mankind subhanallah then he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam warda bima qasamallahu laka takun aghnan nas be content with what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed for you and you will be the richest of mankind Then he said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, wa ahsin ila jarika takun mu'mina. Show excellence to your neighbor, and you will be a believer." Then he said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, wa ahibba lin nasi ma tuhibbu lin nafsika takun muslima. Love for people what you love for yourself, and you will be a Muslim. And la tukthiru dhaik." فَإِنَّ قَثْرَةَ الدَّحِقِ تُمِيتُ الْقَلْبَ Do not laugh too much. For indeed excessive laughter kills the heart. So let's look at this. So this is an authentic hadith in Tirmidhi. Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullahi graded it Hassan in his works. So what was the five things the Prophet said? Each one is a lecture. But just briefly looking at it. The first thing, and this is a very, very important thing the Prophet mentioned, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He goes, this makes you the best worshiper now think about that if you ask a brother or sister who are the best worshipers for some reason they think of deeds so they start saying oh this one this brother is the is why is he the best worshiper he fasts a lot he reads the quran a lot he does a lot of nafil prayers islamically he is not the best worshiper you started on the wrong foot The best worshiper is the one that keeps out of the haram. Now think about that. You could be weak in the acts of worship. You're just doing your farad, your wajib, sunnah, mu'akkidah, rest. You think, well, I don't know, brother. I'm not very strong in fasting. I'm not very fast, fond of tajid. I don't know about, I pray my zakat. And you'd think, well, this guy's a poor worshiper. He's not. He doesn't go into the haram. The Prophet is trying to get that mindset into Muslims. A lot of people, they're so obsessed with good deeds. They're not bothered about the haram. And then you think to yourself, you're going one step forward, two steps back, brother. Mm-hmm. So this is the first thing. Now think about the Abu Huraira promised I'm going to get it into my life. You know, we're hearing the Hadith and we've made that commitment. You know, it's all much fun. You know, subhanallah, sickness kicks in, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The Prophet said, learn it, teach it. Mm-hmm. Second thing he said, so another, again, another lecture, but very briefly. وَرْضَ بِمَا قَسَمَ اللَّهُ لَقَا تَكُنْ أَغْنَ النَّاسِ 
be content with what Allah the Almighty is allowed for you, you will be the richest of mankind. So again, you ask a person who is the wealthiest person, and they start thinking banknotes. They go, yeah, oh, he goes, that guy, he goes, why? He's multi-billionaire. And he goes, he's not the richest. So the guy starts thinking, oh, you know somebody more wealthy than him? Because you're going on the wrong, take, you started on the wrong foot again. The richest person is the one who is happy with what Allah Ta'ala has given him. Contentment. Somebody goes, Alhamdulillah, brother. I'm living like a king. And he goes, but you have a council house, right? And he goes, I'm happy. Alhamdulillah. Right? And then the guy starts giving, scratching his head. Why is it? Because he's got contentment, your fruitcake. Right? The Prophet goes, he's the wealthiest person. Why? Because he's not bothered. I've got my meal. I've got my clothes. I'm paying my bills. I've got transport. Subhanallah. And he goes, no, brother, 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 right? The Prophet goes, this is the wealthiest, this is the wealthiest person. Also, just to add, the hadith is in Behaki and Mishkat. Sayyidina Ali, the relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whoever is content with the little of this world, then Allah the Almighty will be happy with a few of his good deeds. There's a secret now. On the day of judgment, which one of us does not want this deal? Somebody goes, what's the deal, brother? Allah Ta'ala looks at your accounts, scrutinizes it, or he just takes a few of your good deeds and he goes, that's enough, go to paradise. Which one do you want? He goes, second one, brother. That's not a question, is it? Right? That's a statement. He goes, mashallah. But there's a condition for that. And he goes, well, what's the condition? You take a little of the world, that's not enough. And you're content. Then Allah Ta'ala loves that. He goes, he's now made the ultimate bargain. So now this is the problem. A lot of the Muslims, they moved from the poorer parts of the world and they came into the West. Were they content with the little? Right? This doesn't mean you're sinful, not finding fault with the elders. But those who stayed... <laughs> And he goes, look, you know, I know people myself. He goes, no, we're not, we're not, we don't want to come to the West. We're happy. We've got enough. These are the ones you should be envious of. He goes, he knows, he's clever. So the Prophet said, you're content. Allah Ta'ala will make you the richest person. People always turn to them and say, why is this guy happy? And he goes, because he's got contentment. What's the third thing? Straightforward. The Prophet said, show excellence to your neighbor. He didn't say, do goodness. Show excellence to your neighbor, you will be a believer. Excellence means go the extra yard. <laughs> you get it? Don't just mean up. Ah, is anything all right? You know, it's pleasant, please. You know, you go the extra yard. Because then you are a believer, the Prophet said, a mu'min. And notice he didn't make a condition whether he's an unbeliever, a Muslim, or he's related to you. Any any neighbor. <laughs> it's a sign of Iman that you show excellence to them. Fourthly, look for people what you look for yourself, you'll be a Muslim. Then finally, this is a very interesting one. What was the fifth thing the Prophet said? Said Allah Alayhi Wasallam. La tukthiru dhahik fa inna kathlatad dhahiki to meetul qalb. Do not laugh much for excessive laughter kills the heart. Now what does that mean? So obviously it doesn't mean you're going to have a heart attack. It kills the heart. It's not talking about that. Though it could happen maybe if you laugh too much. But it's not referring to that. So what is the death of the heart? And what is the harm? Somebody goes, is laughing too much harmful? The Prophet said it. What have the scholars said? And this is, look how they beautifully explain it. 
حافظ سنعانی رحمۃ اللہ علیہ ان از التنویر شرح الجامع الصغیر ولیم ای پیج 241 ای ایکسپلین ایکسسیو لافٹ کریئٹس ا جوئی ان انکلینیشن ٹوورڈز دی ورلڈ ویئر از دی لائف اف دی ہارٹ از ان اٹس ڈسٹنس فرام دی ورلڈ ٹوورڈز دی ورشپ ان ریمبرنس اف المائٹی اللہ سبحانہ وتعالی سبحان اللہ اس ان دا ٹرو اف یو لاف ایکسسیولی یو انکلائنگ ٹو دی ورلڈ Somebody goes, what's wrong with that? If you incline to the world, you are turning away from worship and remembrance. <laughs> so the Prophet said, your heart will suffer because of that. Now what's interesting, isn't it an infestation in the Western society? They're obsessed with humor. Yeah. Comedians and the rest of it. So look at the best of examples. There was humor. But it wasn't a you know, profession, was it? <laughs> right? This guy's a comedian, right? He earns a living. <laughs> And what's interesting, the nafs will always gear towards what will destroy you. And people just spend hours listening to comedians. And how do you feel afterwards? You might have laughed and laughed. You feel terrible. You're thinking, what the hell was all that about? And that's leaving aside whether his content was suitable. Sometimes he's, you know, swearing and all the rest of it. So you're accumulating sins from that as well. So excessive laughter. Now, why have I mentioned this here in the worship of Abu Hurairah? Because he was now, he promised, I'm going to act upon it. So what can you say? He is the best worshipper because he's keeping out of the haram. He is the most content because, because I promised I'm going to be content with whatever Allah Ta'ala gives me. He was a believer because he was showing excellence to his neighbor. He looked for people what he looked for himself. He's an excellent Muslim. And he didn't laugh much even though he was a jovial person. So Lord, he promised that to the Prophet So what does that tell you? He was a, he was a really sound, solid Muslim. Why? Because he was taught by the best. And in a slightly different wording, which is interesting, in Ibn Imaj, number 4193, Shaykh Al-Bani, Rahmatullah, stated Sahih, in As-Sahihah, number 506, Abu Huraira, radiyallahu alayhi wa sallam, beloved messenger said to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Abu Huraira, radiyallahu, Kun wali'a takun a'abadan nas, be dutiful in worship, And you will be the best worshipper amongst mankind. وَكُنْ قَانِعَ تَكُنْ أَشْكَرَ النَّاسِ Be content and you will be the most grateful of mankind. The wording's changed. This is also a Sayyid Hadith in Ibn Majah. Be dutiful in worship. Wala. Wala means that you're aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will be the best worshipper. In other words, you're, you're trying your best to do the worship as best you can. He goes, you will become the great worshiper in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And be content. Look what he said now, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You will be the most grateful of mankind. So if you are content, that is actually gratitude. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, I've, I've got, Allah has blessed me with my food and drink. Alhamdulillah. You, even though, you're not saying, thank you, oh my Lord. You are the most grateful because you are content. And that's why, la shukri so bad. Oh, I haven't got anything. You know, what did the Prophet say about the female folk? He said, I saw most of the people in the hellfire were females. So one of the female companions goes, why is that, Ya Rasulullah? <laughs> so the Prophet said, because you've got two qualities. He goes, one is, your husband does all the good and he does one thing wrong and you say, I've not, never got anything good from you. And that's common when you get married, you realize this. 
You do all the good, one slip, never got any good from you. The Prophet goes, this is one reason you end up in the fire. Because that's not sugar. And the second, I don't know the second, I can't remember, I think it's true, we curse Right? So note again, this is what the Prophet was referring to, sallallahu alayhi wa And another report to finish. In another report, Abu Huraira radiallahu alayhi wa beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa whoever has three qualities, then Allah the Almighty will grant him an easy reckoning, he will admit him to paradise. I said, may my parents be sacrificed for you. Which three qualities are referred to? Ya Rasulullah. He said, to spend upon the one who withholds, to join ties with those who break ties, and to forgive those who harm you. If you accomplish these three, you will enter paradise and you will have an easy reckoning of Abu Huraira. This is in Tabrani, Hakim, Bazar, Targheeb, volume 3, page 341. So these are difficult now. The Prophet didn't say they're easy. He goes, these three are very special to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you get them into your life, difficult. But if you manage to get it into your life, he promises two things. Easy reckoning. <laughs> Just look at accounts, no problem, taken to paradise. So Abu, look at Abu Huraira's eagerness. He goes, may my parents be sacrificed for you. In other words, tell me, Ya Rasulullah, you mentioned... I don't care what it is. Mm. The Prophet said, number one, spend upon the one who withholds. So what does that mean? So for instance, you're supposed to give charity. Charity starts at home. Mm. You've got family members, cousins, whatever. And you know that they are not good people. <laughs> they may be even talking behind your back, not even keeping ties with you. Yeah. So you in your heart thought, well, if they don't want to know, I don't want to know. Mm. But you said, no. I'm still going to give them. So you're spending upon the one who withholds. You've got to take. <laughs> Very difficult. But that's one. Number two. To join ties with those who sever ties. You've ticked that box as well. If you do that. Because you're keeping ties. But they want to break ties. You're keeping ties. And thirdly. Forgiving those who harm you. You've ticked that box as well. So in actual fight. You can get all three in one shot. How? By spending and keeping ties with family members. Who don't want to keep ties with you. And what is the deal? You will have an easy reckoning. You'll go to paradise. Question. Do you think Abu Huraira got this into his life? So he wasn't just asking. You know, people just not fond of asking. Sheikh, Sheikh, what about this, Sheikh? What about this? And then how many you get into your life? What are you asking all these questions for? Right? So Abu Huraira, you know, he was just observing and taking from the Prophet And you realize that his worship was now going to be of a tremendous nature. So I was mentioning acts of worship, but now generally you notice he was a perfect human being because obviously he was taught by the best teacher that allowed it. So, so what I mentioned again today was I talked about the generosity of Abu Huraira, took a glimpse into his generosity. And of course, he was phenomenal in this area. And then I mentioned a few of the very most informative reports which he learned from the Prophet because who will get this from me and teach it to others. And look how beautiful. Who narrates that hadith to us? Abu Huraira. Because he promised. The Prophet goes, who will learn this from me and then pass it on? And it's reached us. So Abu Huraira did both. He got it into his life. He passed it on. So passing it on is one of the rights of knowledge. People think, no, no, I'll just acquire. I'm all right. One of the rights is to share knowledge. You're acquiring all the knowledge. Right? The Prophet said, the one who acquires knowledge but does not share it, it is like a treasure which you do not spend. <laughs> so imagine... Uh, the hadith is in Ahmad and Behaki and Mishkat. 
if I showed you a treasure chest and I opened it, it's full of 50 pound notes, then you go, what do you think, brother? He goes, who's is that? He goes, that's mine. This is my treasure. So then the person goes, subhanAllah. He goes, uh, you didn't rub, a bank, didn't rub a bank, did you? He goes, no, no, it's halal. He goes, subhanAllah. Then he closed it. And then he goes, mashallah. So what are you going to do with it? I'll just invite people to look at it. Then you think, is that all you do with them, isn't it? Yeah, I invite people to look at it. Now you think this guy's mad. That is the same likeness of a man who acquires knowledge but doesn't share it. So initially you're impressed. Mashallah, he knows this, he knows Quran, he knows this, he knows that. He's not sharing it. The Prophet goes, he's a bad man. So one of the rights of knowledge is that you share. But a lot of people think, oh, this is the job of the scholars. You know, they always blame the scholars for all the hardships. Scholars have to do it. What about you? Are you going to do anything? On day of judgment, scholars going to take your accounts. You know, subhanAllah. Are there any questions you have to ask? سبحان الله بحمدي سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك واتوب الله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون السلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل الانسان لفي خسر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وحسب الحق وحسب السبب سبحان الله